The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday, April the 21st, 2022. It is 8.02 on your Tucson Thursday. Good morning and uh, thank you for joining us here. Whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or your Alexa-enabled devices, I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show as your uh, uh, a place where you to uh, lend your ears to gather sports news, information, uh, opinions, entertainment, whatever have you. I know that you have a choice of where you listen, and I appreciate you choosing my show here as we uh, try to put something together for you every single day that uh, checks all of those boxes. Now, during the break, I saw something on on Twitter, and I was like, wait, what? So I had to go diving in and looking it up, and sure enough, here it is. On TMZ Sports, they posted it this morning about an hour ago. Mike Tyson repeatedly, repeatedly punching a man on the, in the face on an airplane. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, I, literally, f- 10 seconds before I went on the air, the video started loading. And Iron Mike is standing over a passenger who's seated in there in there looks like a business class type of uh, type of situation. And he is just short arm, right hooking this man in the face. And I don't know what this person did to Mike. Listen, I've been around, I've been around Mike Tyson. He is honestly, he really is an enjoyable person. Like I, I liked all of the times that I was around Mike. I covered boxing with HBO uh, back in the day for, for several years. And I got to know a ton of people in the business. I made a lot of friends, and had a really, really great time. I, honestly, it's it's probably the best like three and a half to four years I've spent in my sports career. I, the things that I was able to do, the people that I was able to meet, the things, the things that I saw, um, it, it's completely just altered my life. And it's <laughs> people like Mike Tyson. Honestly, like I, he's such a sweetheart. I love Mike. Like I would see him from time to time. He didn't make a whole lot of appearances at championship fights. He would just kind of be in and out. He wouldn't spend a whole lot of time with the media, obviously. He's not super media friendly. But kind of behind the scenes, like, I I would be in situations, like, in places where I got invited to, like, a party or something like that, and Mike was there. And always enjoyed being around him. Like, he was uh, honestly, like, one of the nicest, sweetest people. It's... I, I was telling Mary this, uh, I, I think it was earlier this week and we were talking about it, and I, I was talking about some of the stories and stuff that I've had with boxers and stuff, and it's amazing to me just how sweethearts they are. They're, like, outside of the ring, they're just, they really are sweethearts. Inside the ring, they want to knock somebody's head off. Uh, but you get them outside the ring, for the most part, they're the sweetest guys. And uh, it's a sleazy sport, and there's a lot of sleaze balls around it, and unfortunately a lot of it is the media <laughs> That is around it, but there's also a ton of promoters and things like that that make it really disgusting as well. Um, but my time covering boxing was the, the, some of the best times of my life in, in, in my professional career. And being around Mike Tyson was one of them. Now, I'm looking at some of these like pictures now that are coming out from, from TMZ. Now, this guy here, this, the, the picture of this particular you know, this person that got beat up by Mike, he's bloodied. He's got 
a bloody temple, like his forehead and his head's all nicked up. And he's like taking selfies. Like Mike is is sitting on in a, in a in an airplane seat basically, and this guy's like standing over him, like thumbs up, like hey, uh, you know, Mike Tyson's on my flight. He's sitting in front of me. Speaking from someone who has been around not just tons of celebrities and athlete, professional athletes and all this other stuff over the years, but specifically Mike Tyson. Like, if you if you wanted to be like, hey, Mike, I hope you don't mind, you know, do you mind if, if we take a picture? I'm a huge fan. Mike Tyson would be very gracious with his time, and he would say, yeah, man, sure. He goes, just let me, you know, let me finish my drink or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll get that picture. I'm watching a video taken here on the on the airplane of this passenger who's seated behind Mike. This guy's obviously drunk. Uh, first of all, I can tell he's got a, number one. He's got a drink in his hand, and look, I'm in bars for a living. I mean, this is what uh, I'm in bars every single night. It's part of my as part of my business that I that I run, and you can tell a drunk person when you see them. In fact, <laughs> watching the video right now. This guy is hamming it up for the person across the aisle who's taking this video of him, and he's got like this frowny face, like this pouty face, his lips all out, and he's like, and he's really living it up that he got punched in the face by Mike Tyson. But you don't stand over. Listen, regardless of that person is Mike Tyson or not, you do not stand over a human being with a drink in your hand and making like hand gestures like ah, la la like this guy was doing, and not expect to get punched in the face. Now, granted. I know we're coming off a time where everyone's all up in arms about Will Smith walking up onto a stage and smacking the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth. Okay, I get that. People are up in arms about that, and yeah, I mean, telling a joke uh, at a you know at, a, at an awards you know awards ceremony like that, walking up onto the stage to slap somebody across the face, sure, that's assault. Uh, you know, I get it. Okay, people get in altercations all the time. I'm not upset at Will Smith for what he did. I, I mean, he, you know, he's been completely emasculated by his wife regardless. I'm more upset at him for that than anything, uh, allowing someone to dictate your life the way that she has, uh, regardless of, of gender. It has nothing to do with him being a man and she being a woman. You don't let anyone dominate your life the way that she's dominated his. But you, you stand over somebody like this, and if that person is – a person like Mike Tyson, who's been known to have a short fuse from time to time, you should expect to get punched in the face like this guy did. Now, according to the witnesses here that were um, that were talking with with TMZ, TMZ Sports, and I, it's sad to say they always get the scoop on everything, man. Like TMZ Sports is legit when it comes to getting the scoop on videos and stories about things that happen outside of the the realm of uh, a football field or a basketball court or whatever. The witnesses say that Mike was gracious in taking a selfie with the uh, with the passenger, and was patient with the overly excited uh, passenger who kept trying to talk to him. Was sitting behind him and was like leaning over him and stuff, and just didn't you know didn't leave him alone. <laughs> and Mike Tyson had had enough. <laughs> and decided that he was going to shut this guy up. And the video, listen, the video is going to show all kinds of horrible things, and, you know, he's just, I mean, he's just going to town with this guy. He's like, bang, 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 like five, six punches repeatedly to the head. Um, I don't know, man. 
you got to respect people's space. You can't be a jackass. You you just can't. Uh, Maybe I'm old school, and maybe this is totally wrong on my part to be, um, I guess, in in Mike Tyson's corner, so to speak, no pun intended, in this particular particular stance. And I'm not advocating you should just haul off and start punching people, but you're – it's Mike Tyson. Like, you got to know better, man. <laughs> of course, people drink and they do stupid things, and that's what we do as humans, right? I mean, that's, that's our, I guess that's our, our rite of passage is to uh, do stupid stuff. You, you know, uh, play stupid games, you get stupid prizes, and uh, that's what this guy did. So I'm sure Mike's going to be in some trouble for this. It's not going to be the first time Mike has been in trouble, and it won't be the last, most likely. He's 55 years old now. Um, but I, 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 like I said, the the I probably I guess five times now I guess five six I, yeah if you include yeah yeah back when he was actually boxing um, probably five or six times I've been around Mike Tyson he's always been great um, yeah <laughs> uh, I know somebody who did work at his house like you know did like a lot of work inside of his house like doing like cabinets and all kinds of different stuff in his home and said that that Mike was the nicest guy he's the nicest customer he's ever worked with. Also said there's some weird things in the house. Obviously, you know, 4,000 pigeons or whatever, uh, that's a little strange. But there were some other weird things, and I don't need to discuss that. But um, <laughs> it was an interesting interesting adventure working inside Mike Tyson's home, and I can imagine it was. Uh, so, yeah, so if you're, if you're looking on the internets today, be ready to see Mike Tyson punching a man in the face over and over again because it's going to be all over the internet. I guarantee it's going to be all over the internet and this this drunk idiot standing over Mike with a drink in his hand. Like, you, you can tell Mike's agitated. I'm looking at the video again, man. You can tell he's at, and this guy is like, man, 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 just standing over him talking. God, you don't do that, man. Just, it's cringeworthy. <laughs> like, watching this dude, like, if I were watching it live, I would just be waiting for the moment that Mike punched him in the face. That's that's exactly how I'm feeling. Like watching this video right now, check it out if you if you want. I mean, obviously everyone will will see it eventually. It's the internet now. We're all we're all going to be involved in it at some point, and I'm sure there's going to be outrage from people about this. And you can't just haul off and hit people. And I get it. I I, I trust me. I understand. Okay, I've been around the you know the, the business. I've been around parents, and I you know I was a parent at one point, and it's. Uh, you don't want to just tell kids and make it seem like you can just haul off and hit anybody. You can't tell adults you can just haul off and hit somebody. But, man, there comes a time in life where you have to just separate a uh, lesson from reality and make something that becomes very real your lesson. <laughs> and that's what happened to this dude. And he, the guy's obviously not broken up about it. He's just sitting there with his drink in his hand, like, you know, with his lips pursed out, like, hmm. I just got punched in the face by Mike Tyson. He didn't get knocked out, though. Mike was hitting him kind of in the forehead. I guess hitting him in the temple could have done some damage. And especially, you know, we're talking about Iron Mike Tyson here. Like, it's not it's not just some dude hauling off and punching somebody in the face. Like, this is it's Mike. <laughs> he, he punches pretty hard. Ask uh, Alan from The, uh, the Hangover. <laughs> Still one of my favorite movie moments ever. I... I I know that they put that in the trailer, the movie trailer, for a reason. It has impact, and it's got this fun, you know, 
you know, in, in the world of like movie and, and audio editing, video and audio editing, you want to have something that, bow, you know, you want to make something impactful because people, it resonates with people when you have a sound effect and a motion. It's like when, like when Arizona foot, I was just thinking about this yesterday. This is so funny. Just thinking about this yesterday. I was listening to a song. I'm like, this would be great for like an Arizona football hype video with a bunch of hard hits and stuff. And, you know, uh, you, you know, you got, you got, um, you know, Philly will and that big hit that he had in the Oregon state game. Still one of the, Best clean hit you'll ever see in the world, um, and, and and you know I'm thinking like oh man like this, you could do this and this this part and you're like pow and you show the you know the, the the Philly will hit and or against Oregon State and you know that's the kind of stuff that is impact. I, I wish I wish that moment hadn't been in the trailer because it kind of gave away that really fun moment in the movie. But regardless, that's what it is. All right, so we've talked enough about uh, Mike Tyson punching people in the face. Because he's not, he's no longer boxing. Although we will talk some boxing, you know, Tyson Fury coming up. He's got a fight coming up. The Gypsy King. Been a while since he was in the ring. Got a little heavyweight, uh, heavyweight action going on. We'll probably talk about that a little bit tomorrow as we preview uh, uh, the fight that's coming up. And uh, I, I don't get to talk enough of the fight game here. Uh, unfortunately, it's it hasn't been great lately. To be honest, I'm more of a boxing fan than I am an MMA fan. I still like MMA, but I am more of a boxing fan. I just I've been around it a lot longer. I grew up watching boxing on Saturdays with my grandfather. You know, we watched Hagler and Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, all the great fights that people talk about. They're like, man, that was a great fight. Yeah, that was on, like, ABC on a Saturday afternoon. Like, <laughs> watched it live, seen it, been there, bought the T-shirt, saw the sequel. Um, so I'm, I'm a little more of a boxing historian-type fan, uh, and especially being around. I, I became really close with Burt Sugar. Rest in peace. Bert was one of the uh, one of the probably the greatest historian in boxing's history. He wrote, I don't know, fifteen books about it. Um, I've got several of them that he gave me, and just sitting and talking with Bert, like he and I, he was a huge college football fan. And when we were in Vegas or New York or wherever, we would always just end up sitting together having lunch or dinner or whatever, and just talking college football. We didn't talk a whole lot of boxing. I would talk boxing with him if we were on the clock, but off the clock, it was mostly about college football. And, you know, just a, a great historian. And I got to learn so many things from him about boxing's history, which is, you know, me being the person that I am, the constant thirst for knowledge and information, I went digging deeper and read his books. And I started doing some more uh, historical type of, of digs into the world of boxing and just realizing how the sport has re- evolved drastically, just you know, in a span of about 40 years, just how different it is. And it's so simplistic in nature, right? It's just two guys throwing a lefts and rights at one another. There's nothing else involved. But how it has changed over the years is remarkable to me. It's just it's one of those things that just kind of blows your mind when you start digging in and you're like, man, that's how things that used to be done and now they're done this way? That's incredible. So fun stuff. I mean, it, it's that way in a lot of sports. Uh, you know, technology and People are more aware. Young people are more aware of their athletic potential. I think. I think is maybe the best way to put it. And it's interesting to see. You know, you go to the gym, and before, like, if, if you, fifteen years ago, you went to the gym. Fifteen, twenty years ago, you went to the gym. You would see nothing but you know people age like twenty-five to fifty in there working out, keeping their you know, keeping their body or maybe working on their body. If you're early in the year, right, you'd be you'd see people working on, you know, their New Year's resolutions. You go to a gym now, there's 15-year-olds in there 
racking weights and, you know, working with trainers and stuff. People are, are – younger people are now starting to realize their athletic potential much, much sooner in life. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You know, some people it's, – it's like – it's the old adage. You know, you, you never teach a kid to throw a curveball before the age of 14. Okay, sure. And, you know, one of the things that, that I've had conversations with in regards to Rob Gronkowski – you know, they say that he overdeveloped himself at a young age. His father pushed him. You know, his father being uh, the, the the weight training guru that he is, um, that he pushed Gronk a little too early, and that's why he's had consistent back problems. That's why he had the back problems that he had when he was at Arizona, back and, and uh, hip problems at Arizona. Now, I don't necessarily believe all that because Rob seemed pretty healthy when I was around him. <laughs> And Rob, well, Rob always seems healthy. He's always got a great, a big smile on his face. The entire family does. Um, I just think he was more of like, we're, we're, we, we know what his trajectory is. We know that he's going to be a star in the NFL someday. We're not trying to ruin that here in the Pac-12 or in college football. And, and you know, back then it would have been shunned upon. But now we, you know, we applaud players for essentially reserving themselves for the time when they can go make big money at the next level. I think it was more of that. I don't think Rob was overdeveloped. There are certainly situations where I've seen young people that have overdeveloped, and I think it has done some damage to them. Uh, but I think just now, in this day and age, we're much more aware of our athletic potential at a much younger age. And we're seeing kids working out. Like I tell you, man, I go to like, – like I still say, you know – as, you know, as much as I, as much as I hate to say it, you know, uh, you know, Terrell Suggs was the best player that I've ever seen at, at a high school football game ever in my life. Like he was, he was the most dominant player I've ever seen on a college foot on a high school football field. And you look at the average high school football player now, and they look like Terrell Suggs did back when when he was playing here. But it, it, back when Suggs was playing, he looked like a giant. Like he stood out. Like. It was like a beacon on the field. He looked so different from everybody else. And I remember I was at the I was at the the the, the spring game two Saturdays ago at Arizona Stadium, and I've got my binoculars out and I'm looking at the field. I'm looking at all the high school recruits that are on the field, and I'm like, all these kids are like six three, two twelve, you know, two fifteen. They're cut. They're they just, they look like they're just right on the precipice of adulthood, like right there at 22, 23, 24 years old. But these are 16-year-old kids. It's remarkable uh, what what technology and awareness have done for athletics. And uh, I don't think it's ruining it by any means. There are other things ruining athletics, specifically college athletics, that have nothing to do with the athletes. Now, you know, they're, they're doing the best in their own minds, and they're young kids, and they're going to make mistakes, and that's fine. I, I, I can write them off. What I can't write off are grown-ass adults making millions of dollars refusing to do anything about it. That's, that's the problem that I have. All right. I have gone on a complete tangent, and I have not even been topical. This all started because Mike Tyson punched an airplane passenger in the face, and here we are now. I'm going to take a break and try to rein myself back in. We will talk NBA playoffs next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, let's do it. Let's see who hung around through my uh, rambling in, in the uh, first segment there. 
let's give away another digital download of the newest Dark Knight reboot, The Batman. I want you to text the word PENGUIN. That's P-E-N-G-U-I-N. Text the word PENGUIN to 68683. And uh, we've got a, a small window here of, uh, of a texting window for you to uh, text in. Don't, like, crash your car or anything if you're driving. For God's sakes, you've got time to, you know, do it where you can stop and do it safely. Don't text and drive. But I want you to text the word PENGUIN to 68683, and we'll be drawing a winner. We'll be emailing you that digital copy as you can unmask the truth as the Batman is caught in a deadly game of cat and mouse with the Riddler in this gritty thriller starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz. It's a, it's a great cast. I mean, the guy who plays Smeagol, <laughs> right, my precious, is Alfred in the movie. And, yeah, there's a penguin in the movie and a Riddler and a Catwoman. And it's good. I, I mean, like I said yesterday, I think it, it's maybe it's because it's new and it's technologically advanced, but I think it's the second best Batman. Uh, Batman film. Michael Keaton was a great Batman, and Jack Nicholson was a great, rid, uh, great Joker. But that movie was just like, oh, strange to say the least. <laughs> Anytime you get Tim Burton involved, things are going to get weird and colorful. So uh, I don't put that up there as one of the great Batman movies of all time. It's certainly not as bad as the George Clooney one or anything. But uh, but yeah, the Batman I thought was really, really well done, and it's very, it's it's exciting, it's action packed, it's and it is, it's gr- they use the word gritty to describe it. That's exactly what it is. It is absolutely gritty. Speaking of gritty, how about some of the action in the NBA last night? The Boston Celtics use a lot of grit to shut down the two stars of the of the Brooklyn Nets last night. As and now Kevin Durant did score twenty seven. However, eighteen of twenty. From the free throw line, they completely shut him down shooting the basketball. He was 4 of 17 in the game last night shooting, 0 for 10 in the second half. Like, complete lockdown. And Kyrie wasn't any better. Kyrie Irving finished the game with 10 points, finished minus 9 on the the plus-minus rating, was 4 of 13 from the field. Combined, Durant and Kyrie were 8 of 30 from the field. That is just a little bit better than 25% shooting percentage, and they were only 1 for 3 from beyond the arc. Three three-point attempts. That's it. And it, it, it's amazing to me that the game was even that close. Bruce Brown, uh, Bruce Brown had a really nice game, and Goran Dragic had a nice game coming off the bench in 20 minutes, scored 20 points uh, in 20 minutes, 18 points, sorry, in 20 minutes. Uh, meanwhile, all five of Boston's starters scored in double digits, and then they got double digits out of Peyton Pritchard last night. Peyton Pritchard, <laughs> man, I, as much as I hate to say it, that guy, he was plus 15. He had the top plus-minus rating in the game last night. He was plus 15 in his 16 minutes. Five of seven from the field, scored 10 points, had four rebounds, couple assists. He was good. He was real good in the game. Boston now has a 2-0 lead. And they're going to be heading to Brooklyn for the next two games of that series. But I'll tell you what, like, Durant ain't getting it done. Like, he's just not. At 42 minutes last night, 27 points, 4 of 17 from the field, 0 for 10 in the second half. They are just completely bewildering him uh, defensively, are the Boston Celtics. And they won that game, they put up 114 points last night on the Brooklyn Nets. And we know the Brooklyn Nets don't play a whole lot of, a whole lot of defense, but – 
if you're going to have your superstars going a combined eight for 30 and only making two buckets in the entire second half, you can just hang it up right now. Like, that series is over if that's the case. Because there's no way Brooklyn could win that series playing the way that they did last night. That's just not going to cut it. Meanwhile, up in the Great White North in Toronto, Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors went to overtime. A really low-scoring game by comparison to the uh, to the other games in the uh, in the series, the previous two games in the series. But it was Joel Embiid hitting a, 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 a just a ridiculous three-point shot coming in off the inbounds pass with 1.2 seconds left on the overtime clock. The ball drains with 0.7 on the clock, and that essentially sends the Toronto Raptors home. They're now down 0-3 in the series. Joel Embiid has completely dominated them, as has Tyrese Maxey. He had another good game last night. Not as good as the first two, but 19 points in his 47 minutes in the game. Only made one of five of the three-point attempts that he took, but he was still good enough in the game last night, put up some points, and uh, and the Raptors just don't they don't have anybody that can keep up with Joel Embiid. And James Harden isn't even, like, what did he score last night? 19, I think, but he had 10 assists. He's not even taking that many shots. He took, like, 13 shots in the field last night. The Raptors just don't have anybody to combat what – Joel Embiid brings and I'm surprised because the Raptors did so well against him in the regular season they're linked with Pascal Siakam and Audrey Ananabi uh and, and you know bringing guys off the bench like Chris Boucher and Prince Achua they they got no they got nothing they got no answer for Joel Embiid Fred Van Vliet has been really bad in this series he was three of 13 last night from the field two of 10 from beyond the arc scored 12 points in 45 minutes I'm gonna get it done so I think that series is, is all but over now, uh, and even Joel Embiid was clowning on Drake after the game last night. Of course, Drake from Toronto, big uh, Raptors fan, supposedly. And uh, he was like, I'm coming for the sweep, and they were kind of joking and all this other stuff. But I, I believe that uh, they probably will finish that sweep off. That Toronto team is done. They are over, and they're not getting any kind of production uh, from the guys that they are used to getting production from. So that series is, is all but over now as the Sixers take the 3-0 lead. And finally, in Milwaukee, the Chicago Bulls. When they hired Billy Donovan, I said, watch out. I, I, I've always thought highly of Billy Donovan as a, as a basketball coach. I've always felt that he was able to get more out of his players and his teams than other coaches, considering you know that the, the level of talent that they had or whatever have you. He's just a, he's a really good coach, and they do have good talent. Demar Derozan has turned into a, a good player now that that he stopped shooting the three ball. He was over two last night, but sixteen of thirty one from the field scored forty one in the game. Did Demar Derozan and uh, the Bulls steal one from the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee? The Bulls were a terrible road team this year. Like I mean, they were bad on the road they they won the the lion's share of their with 46 wins on the season in chicago on the road they were not good at all this year uh but they got the win last night and that was they kind of stole one from the milwaukee bucks and that game was really physical that was an extremely physical game Giannis finishes with 33 pretty much shoots his average at the free throw line if he's not playing the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. He was 11 of 18 from the free throw line last night, not shooting 87% like he did in the Finals against the Suns, uh, shooting his regular 60%. The problem for the Bucks right now 
is they're not getting any production from their bench. They're getting everything from their from their starting rotation. But guys like, you know, Patrick Connaughton can't shoot the ball right now. He's, he was one of six last night from beyond the arc. He can't shoot. Bobby Portis isn't an offensive guy. Neither is Serge Ibaka. And if you're looking at Grayson Allen, he's not shooting the ball well either. So they're getting zero production from their bench, which is a huge problem because even as little production as the Chicago Bulls are getting, you have to get something from your bench. They had, what, seven points from their bench last night in Milwaukee? That's not going to cut it. So that series now shifts to Chicago, tied 1-1. That, uh, that series all of a sudden has become real interesting. Like I said, that was a really physical game last night, and I'm not saying that the Bucks aren't prepared to play a physical game, but they lost some pieces this offseason that made them a less physically imposing team. And last night, Chris Middleton sprained his MCL, and that's definitely not good good news for Milwaukee. So we'll keep a close eye on that because, as you know, injuries have become a big part of this NBA postseason. Uh, tonight, the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves tip it off at 430. That series is tied at 1-1 one, one apiece. The Dallas Mavericks head into Salt Lake City to take on the Utah Jazz. That game at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, that series also tied at one apiece. And the Golden State Warriors are going to be Mile High City with the Denver Nuggets. The uh, Warriors with a 2-0 lead and a very dominant 2-0 lead. The Nuggets are fighting with one another on the bench. Nikola Jokic is fighting with everybody else on the on the uh, on the court, including officials. Uh, and it's just not a good look for uh, for that team right now. And I think the Golden State Warriors, obviously in in very very good good tight tight control uh, of that series. All right, when I return, Devin Booker. The, the Phoenix Suns basically said he's not he's not going to play in games three and four. Probably won't even make the trip. I don't know if he'll travel with the team or not. I don't know why he would. Uh, but you know, NBA is different. They don't a lot of times they don't keep players at home uh, for road trips. So we'll see what happens if he does travel with the team. But do they even need him to win the series? And would they need him in a potential semifinal series coming up as well? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Join Spears and Ali for their NFL Draft Show next Thursday, April 28th from 3 to 6 as they broadcast live from the Fire Truck Brewing Company. Like I said, love those guys. Love the guys over at Fire Truck Brewing. Great beers, and they got smoked wings over there. Delicious, right there on the corner of Grant and Swan, uh, on the on the south uh, southeast corner of Grant and Swan. You can uh, hang out with the boys, getting ready to uh, uh, get ready for the uh, NFL draft. First round of the NFL draft, of course, which uh, occurs on Thursdays, has for a few years now. There's going to be plenty of happy hour, food and drink specials for the listeners to come by and enjoy the great beer and the great food offered by the Fire Truck Brewing Company. It's sponsored by O'Reilly Chevrolet, Miss DUI Arizona, The Blind Guys, and uh, Ryan Brown at Long Realty. For more details, you can go to ESPNTucson.com, but just know that if you show up at Fire Truck Brewing Company, southeast corner of Grant and Swan next Thursday, you're going to have a good time. And Spears and Ollie are going to be there doing the NFL Draft Show and enjoying uh, you know, Christmas night, essentially, for uh, for all of us NFL fans. All right, so Devin Booker, the, the, the Suns basically said, look, Book is not going to play the next two games. Who is going to replace him? Well, it's probably going to be Landry Shamit. 
he was the one who replaced Booker for the most part when he was out earlier this year. Book was out uh, pretty much the entire month of December with another hamstring injury on his other leg. Um, but Landry Shamit was essentially the, the the guy to replace him. But Shamit wasn't even in rotation in the postseason yet. I mean, he got he got a couple of minutes the other night. Uh, in you know, in, in when when Booker went out and stuff, and they were trying to scramble and find lineups. I'm guessing it'll be Landry Shamit, and he's a 41% three-point shooter. Obviously, doesn't have the scoring prowess of a Devin Booker, and defensively, not on par with Devin either. I mean, Book is a good defensive player. Um, yes, there is a, a, a you know, there are cases where players can be great offensively and really good, if not great defensively as well. Uh, Devin Booker checks both of those boxes. He's very good on the defensive side. It's, and it's team defense. Like I said, I, I still preach it's team defense with the Phoenix Suns, um, and, and, it, and it will be under Monty Williams. Here's my take on it. If they wanted to, I think, personally, I think they should start Cam Johnson. That's who I think they should start. He averaged 17, games, uh, 17 points per game in his starts this season, and I just feel like he gives them the length and the ability to attack the rim, not just with a sweet shot from the outside, and I do love watching Cam Johnson shoot the ball. I just feel like he gives them a little bit more than Landry Shamit. And, and Landry is a good player. I like Landry Shamit. Um, I know that he's streaky, but he is a, a little more, uh, you know, consistent once he starts getting more consistent minutes. It's when, you know, players that aren't, you know, they're, they're trying to shoot themselves for more minutes, essentially, shoot, you know, shoot their way into more minutes, is when guys like Landy Shamit can get into trouble. Cam Johnson is a 42% three-point shooter in the games that he started. He had 16 starts this year, averaged just under 17 points a game, shot 50% from the field, 42% from three, um, and is a 91% free throw shooter. That's the guy I think they turn to. I don't know if you turn immediately to the guy that can replace Booker's position, the two guard. I think you just go with the best player, and the best player is Cam Johnson. He's a, a better player than Landry Shamit, in my opinion, and that's who they should go with in the starting rotation. Now, we'll find out tomorrow um, who that will be, and, and Monty Williams may even give indications of who it will be if, you know, when he speaks with the media today, but my guess is that it'll be Cam Johnson. That's who I'm hoping it will be. And like I said, replace your best player with your next best player off the bench, and that's Cam Johnson, not just the guy who will replace him at the position, which would be Landry Shamit. Um, but do the Suns even need Devin Booker to win this series? I say no. They're still, you know, they're still a team that went. Uh, see, the eleven games that Book missed this year, I think they were eight and three in those games. You know. Again, the Phoenix Suns are a team in every sense of the word. Now, their winning percentage—they're uh, they're not, they're not their winning percentage—but their their uh, their score margin was heavily decreased. The Suns led the NBA this year in scoring margin. I think they were just under eight points per game in scoring margin when Book was out in those eleven games that he missed. Their scoring margin was just over three. Like it was like three point one, I think it was in those games. So. Certainly, they they miss the 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 dominant pulling away power of having a guy like Devin Booker on your team who can score thirty one points in a twenty four minute half, uh, which is remarkable. But I think the Suns are still good enough to win this series without Devin Booker. I think they're good enough to win the next series without Devin Booker. If if it turns out to be an injury that's a little bit worse than we originally thought, you know, if it's if it's like 
let's be cautious with it. Let's make sure that it is 100% healed. And it may not be 100%, but let's get it as close to 100% as we can before we have to play Golden State or Memphis in the in the Western Conference Finals. Because I'll be honest with you, I don't think the Suns are going to trip up too much regardless of who's playing for Dallas and or Utah, whoever emerges from that series. Those two teams are going to beat the snot out of each other trying to get through just the first round. Uh, we don't know if Luke is going to play tonight. He said uh, if there's no risk of further injury that he'll play, and he's got the bad calf. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know if, he, if he plays tonight in the series tied 1-1. If they're down 0-2, I think they push it. They're tied 1-1. They're on the road. I think they accept the loss. You know, and I don't say, they say accept the loss, but if you get the loss, you're like, okay, let's gear it up for, you know, let's, let's you know, bring it home even as we go back to Dallas for game five. I think that's kind of more what they're focused on than just trying to get him back on the court as quickly as possible. But like I said, those two teams are going to beat the snot out of each other. Let them do it. If the Suns can get these two games in New Orleans, and I think they will, they had by far and away the best road record in the in the in the NBA this year. They were thirty-two and nine on the road, thirty-two and nine at home. They had more road wins than any other team had home wins, which is like it's happened one other time in the history of the NBA. It was like the nineteen sixty-seven New York Knicks did that also. So the Suns are going to be just fine in in round one. They lost game two. They lost their focus. I think it was good for them. I think it was a good slap across the face and be like, hey, you guys want to wake up and, and stop skating? These, you know, take no, you know, don't mind the fact that, that New Orleans wasn't a, uh, a, you know, a, a team that was even over 500 this year. Uh, they're the eighth best team in the West. They've earned their spot here, and they're coming for you. So you got to wake up. And I think it was a good smack across the face, a good wake-up call for the Phoenix Suns to, look, they got blown out in that game. I mean, it's let's, let's – you know, make no bones about it. They got crushed in that game. They were lucky to be, you know, within ten uh, of the of the New Orleans Pelicans the way that they were playing that night. So, good wake up call for the Suns. They don't need Booker to win that series, and I don't think they need Booker to win the next series either. So, let's just make sure that everybody's one hundred percent healthy for the uh, for the Western Conference Finals because it's either Golden State or Memphis. One of those teams or two teams are going to emerge, and both of those teams are hungry and willing and able to beat the Phoenix Suns in a seven-game series uh, for a chance to go to the NBA Finals. It's going to be a good one regardless. But uh, like I said, the Suns are the deepest team in the NBA. Rely on your bench. You've got Cam Johnson. You've got Landry Shaman. You've got all these guys that can come in and play and fill, moment, fill minutes, campaign. It, all those guys can come in and fill those minutes and make up the time and the space and the points and the abilities that Devin Booker brings to the court. All those guys can, can collectively come together and, uh, and make up for that and still get the dub in this series. So that's just my opinion. Uh, I don't think, you know, this is not the end of the world. I know Suns fans are like, oh, let's – can we donate a hamstring to, to Devin Booker? It's going to be fine, okay? Suns fans, just relax, R-E-L-A-X, as A.A. Ron would say, and uh, they'll be fine. They're going to win this series regardless. All right. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Jeff Dean Show here. Final segment today's edition. Thanks for tuning in. 
The Arizona Cardinals, it's it's been an ongoing saga with Kyler Murray this entire offseason. And yesterday on a podcast, Patrick Peterson and Chase Edmonds, both former Arizona Cardinals, one had spent 10 seasons with the Arizona Cardinals, two with Kyler Murray, the other Chase Edmonds who spent three years here and two years also with Kyler Murray, pardon me, uh, both joined this podcast and basically sided with Kyler on this. Now, color me surprised that a uh, a group of players sided with another player in a dispute between player and team. <laughs> it's like, okay, in related news, water is wet, fire is hot, okay? I get it. Peterson told CBS Sports, quote, I've been around K1, that's Kyler Murray's nickname. He's a competitor, and I feel like no disrespect to the Arizona Cardinals, but I feel like they don't put that team in a position to be successful year after year after year, and Kyler Murray's not going to sit around and wait for that. Now, that's hard, to, that's hard to dispute. That's hard to argue with because there are a lot of people who feel that the Arizona Cardinals don't put themselves in competitive positions year after year. Now, whether that's by design or whether it's just by sheer you know, ineptitude, um, I think it may be just a, a little a bit of a mixture of both. I think that there are priorities inside that building that don't always relate to wins and losses on the field, which is really the way it should be. I mean, you know, if you're if you're you know working in a the huge business that is the NFL, it's the number one entertainment venue in the entire world. You, I mean, wins and losses drive everything. If your team sucks, you know, you, you're not you're not going to draw. And I mean. It's just that's just the way it goes. Fans are going to bail. They don't support losing teams, and everybody needs to be fired, and you know, and all this other stuff. I, you know, the Cardinals try as they may, and it's not the biggest free agent destination in the world. And I talked with Tyler Drake, our Cardinals insider, about it yesterday. And the Cardinals have done they've done okay in the first round. They've gotten some some good players in the first round of the NFL draft, and a couple of the guys that they've drafted in the second round have hit. But for the most part, like guys that they've drafted, like third, fourth round, fifth round guys, guys that should be part of your rotation, whether it's special teams or second teamers or next man up kind of situation, but they've been cutting those dudes. Like they haven't, they haven't made it at the next level. It's almost like they just scout the top 50 or 60 players in the draft and they go, oh, we're going to get these two guys and they're going to be the difference makers and then we'll just rely on, you know, whatever else to tell us what we're going to do in rounds three through seven. And I'm not trying to belittle them and or you know take away from uh from the things that they have done and it's a tough business look there are 32 teams competing at the highest level for this kind of you know this hierarchy of how you're going to navigate through the nfl season and it's difficult to pick guys that, that you know to come into the nfl but let's be honest there are there are teams out there that do far better job of not only drafting talent but cultivating that talent into winning product on the field year after year after year than the Arizona Cardinals do. And some of it is choices in head coach. I mean, the Cardinals have made some real head-scratching choice. Like, like, what? When they hired Steve Wilkes, I was like, who? Okay, I understand that there are some, there are some hires made specifically recently, right? The last two years in the NFL, like when Brandon Staley got hired as the, as the Chargers head coach, people were like, who the hell is this kid? And when Mike McDaniel got hired as the uh, as the Dolphins coach this offseason, and he did his first 
press conference, he could barely see over the podium. Like, he doesn't look the part. But we know who these guys are because they've been part of a prolific offense or a prolific defense in the, you know, in the NFL. They've been rumored to be a guru kind of thing. And the Cardinals hired Steve Wilkes, and it was like after one year, they're like, this was the worst thing we've ever done. And then they turn around and they dra- they trade up to draft Josh Rosen, somebody who had no no desire to play professional football whatsoever. And they're, sit- they're sitting there wondering why they have to go and draft Kyler Murray number one overall because they were the worst team in the league again. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's hard to argue with the words of Patrick Peterson and Chase Edmonds. I know Cardinal fans don't want to hear that. They just want those players to shut their mouths because now that they're not here, they can talk all they want about the, the, the franchise. But it is what it is. Truth hurts. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air. We'll see you guys again tomorrow right here at 7 a.m. for another edition of the Jeff Dean Show at 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.